0: Hey guys, what's going on? It's Brendan Sweeney from Coaches Cradle Podcast. Today we have on Denzel Stovall. Denzel Stovall works with the G League team, the Salt Lake City Stars, the G League organization for the Utah Jazz. Stowe was recently hired there after a stint at North Carolina A&T where he worked with basically every sport men's and women's basketball football men's and women's tennis women's volleyball cheer baseball softball and bowling so denzel has a lot to say about a bunch of different topics he's a great high energy guy and he's turned into a great leader for the g league team he has plans to stay there and climb the ranks and i would be hard pressed to say that he won't find his way at the top very soon without further ado here is denzel stovall All right, so without further ado, man, if you want to introduce yourself, talk about a little bit of your background, where you're currently at, and just kind of give the people some, some history on you right now, I think that'd be a good w- way to start off.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, military baby, was born in Virginia, uh, moved to Alabama when I was younger, grew up playing sports, um, basketball, football, track, were my main three, got a football scholarship, Um, Out of high school, uh, didn't really like the schools down in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, Transferred to UAB, closer to my girlfriend, um, closer to home, just central Alabama. Got there, they took away the football program, so um, kind of shut the door on playing ball. But I kind of found my passion for strength and conditioning because I wanted to stay close to sports and um, just find a way to be helpful in that, in that area. Um, Undergrad, I studied kinesiology, fitness leadership. So I became a personal trainer right after undergrad, took a year off from school um, just to study, get that certification, and then got into grad school at UAB. That's where I started my GA um, with men's basketball there. Did that for two years, um, my last year in grad school, I was a GA. I worked a full-time job. Um, it was like CrossFit. Yeah. And um, and then graduated. COVID hit. So it kind of shut the dreams down of trying to get a job straight out of school. So during that time, um, I left a full-time job to take on a role part-time at D1 Fitness or D1 Training. And um I just knew that I wanted to get into sports, um, strength and conditioning. And, um, I love being private sector, working with adult fitness, but I knew that I needed to take a leap of faith if I wanted to get closer to sports. So kind of stopped that started D one training athletes from like six years old to semi pro people. And, um, I also volunteered at a local high school for basketball. Um, the coach reached out to a, a GA at UAB and just asked him, did he know any strength coaches and he put my name in. So that's kind of how I got connected on to that. So I'm interning or volunteering at a high school while working almost full time hours at D1. And um, right after our season, the basketball season at the high school, I got a call at Ant, put in some applications, got a call back from coach Ali. He called me up, we interviewed and then we made it happen. Um, so I moved to, Greensboro, coached at AT for a year. Um, pretty much had me and Ali, we probably split the responsibility heavy. You know how that is, uh, how it goes. Um, men's, women's basketball, men's, women's tennis, volleyball, a little baseball, a little softball, bowling. Um, but I enjoyed it. I really appreciate it. I think it got me to where I am today. Learned a lot from the athletes there. Um, hopefully they learn something from me and, um, it was a great experience. I'll never take it for granted. You know, I learned a lot in the process and, um, ended up meeting a intern at a and who reached out to me and asked me what I like, you know, to put an application in, um, for the Utah Jazz. And, uh, he said he knew someone that had AT here and, um, I put my application in and they ended up calling me like a week later. So that's kind of how I got here. It's been, it's been solid ever since.
0: Yeah, I think your, your coaching experience at a and probably taught you just a lot about how to work with a bunch of different athletes. You have that private sector gig as well, but working with those teams can, can lead to some different communication skills. Mm-hmm. So throughout, throughout all that, working with all these different types of athletes, what do you think has developed into your most valuable skill as a coach and how have you changed since day one Stovall to Stovall now, who's coaching a, a professional team?
1: Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the point, really just learning how to connect with different type of athletes, uh, male, female, um, a rotational sport athlete to just um, a basketball, football athlete. Um, the biggest thing I learned was how to create a relationship, you know, and I try to create a relationship um, with every athlete, you know, I. I think uh, that's a great way to create buy-in. They trust you um, with their training and, and they buy into whatever you have to prescribe, to offer. So I think that's the biggest thing about being a coach, at least from my experience was really just creating a relationship with each and every athlete on uh, that way you get the best out of them each and every day. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think, when you talk to when you talk to the people around A and T, at least I I think a lot of athletes had learned to to grow pretty fond of you. I remember the one day you were about to leave, and you're like, "Man, the volleyball team doesn't know I'm leaving, but they're about to cry right yeah, now." Yeah,
1: that was tough. Really? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was I think tough.
0: That, I think that just shows how much how much they trust you. And for a lot of for a lot of these athletes at our level, they they do have a lot of coaching turnover. So when they Finally, get one that they can kind of call their own, or at least, or like this is the guy. This is this is who I trust. When that ends up um, leaving, it it shows a lot that that you did well, but it also shows that um, athletes really latch on to to people who they trust. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can coach. That's a that's a huge skill. Um, So even when you're growing up, or when you're working with your high schoolers, I'm sure everyone is talking to strength coaches, saying like, how do I How do I get this vertical up? How do I increase my bounce per se? In your your own words, what does bounce come from in basketball?
1: Yeah, well, for one, I think it's heavily reliant on genetics. You know, if you have a a history of a family who's very athletic, I think um, by the luck of the draw, you just end up having some type of athleticism. Um, But beyond that, just from experience and from my mentors, increasing lower body strength, um, decreasing body fat because fat don't fly, yeah. and um, speedy lifts. You know, lifting with max intent could be on like a trap bar deadlift. You know, you load it fairly moderate, but try to lift it as fast as possible. Even with very very heavy weight, I think you lift it as fast as possible with that intent. Um, you'll eventually increase like vertical. Um, So lower body strength, decreased body fat and speedy, speedy lifts, speedy, speedy intent. And I would, I would tie into that. Lastly, something that we've been doing a lot since I've been here, something that I've been learning is really, we do a lot of tendon loading. Yeah. So like a lot of isometrics in the Achilles tendon, Um, tempos, negatives for like, Uh, on a leg press or something like that for that patella tendon. Um, a lot of, a lot of tendon loading. we do it about two to three times a week. And, um, and just from my experience, I've been doing it too. I don't know if you've been watching, but I've been posting some dunk videos on Instagram. Um, but I had like this real bad, I don't know what it was, man, but in my Achilles, it was just bothering me a lot. And then I got here and I started doing a lot of Achilles work. Um, And that pain has gradually went away. And now so I'm able to jump like I used to jump, land how I used to land without any problems. So I think that's a big key. Um, A lot of isometrics. You can go heel up, floating heel, um, slowing the way down, slow up, stuff like that. Just mix it up. And um, I think that'll help athletes increase their vertical.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's all. Really quality information. I think what you're talking about is just improving overall force production. And um, yep. if you if you're built like me, like you may just not be built for for dunking or throwing throwing some lot some alley oops, like that's just it's not <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: so as you go throughout the season though, yeah. How how are you changing up your prescription and in jump volume or are you looking at any data in terms of how many repetitions are they getting per, per practice or per game? Cause I'm sure in the, in the NBA or so, they're probably getting about a hundred reps of jumps in, in a practice at, at the lot, high. Yeah. even at the low end. Um, so how are you prescribing that in the weight room?
1: Yeah. So, um, off season is our time to kind of like hammer capacity, um, technique, a lot of landing mechanics, um, You're not doing as much basketball in the offseason. Some guys are just because they like to stay on their game. But for me, on my end, that's the time where I can hammer in a lot of like low level, low intensity plyometrics. All right. So just to build up that capacity. Like
0: extensive Um, work more so.
1: Yeah. Extensive um, short ground contact. Just think of like a jump rope, you know, jump roping for a minute, two minutes, three minutes, Um, stuff like that, just to build up a capacity. As we progress kind of like where we're phasing out of preseason, we're doing a lot of um, like depth drops into a jump. So, for example, today we did a med ball overhead up on tippy toes, drop down into a skater hop and stick it. Right. So you're adding the two in the movement, all right, a landing plus – um, producing some type of force. All right. Whether it's in a sagittal frontal plane or transverse. Um, and then when the season rolls around, that's kind of where you decrease the volume. Um, you decrease a little bit in preseason, but you decrease more in season. Um, and there you just try to maximize the output. All right. Let's go like a max effort jump, maybe like just three, three reps, two reps. Um, so you keep it re- really low so it doesn't fatigue them. Um, but you're still trying to get that, maximum production output so that's kind of how I would um program plyos throughout the season
0: yeah and I think a really important point that you touched on there is if you want to be an effective jumper in a basketball game it can't just be up and down um, right you need more motions in a basketball game than just sagittal playing as uh, like if you're if you want to be a well-rounded jumper Make sure that you're jumping through the frontal plane or the transverse plane, adding different sorts of rotation elements in there. I think it's huge yeah. overall. I think. And to
1: speak on that, like being an I I honestly didn't do much transverse. And then I got here and saw how much, I mean, we probably do more stuff frontal plane and transverse than we do sagittal, you know? And I think basic jumps are always thought to be in a sagittal plane. But if you watch basketball, they're they're jumping, moving to the side, or they're jumping while rotating and then planning back, stuff like that. Yeah. So it kind of just opened my eyes a lot just being here. Um and, and it helped me out a lot. Really yeah, And just
0: assessing your athletes, if they can do a, a 40 inch plus vertical jump, like do you really need to be training more of that same motion? You can probably right. create a more well-rounded athlete by by putting some water in some more of those buckets. Right, and, exactly. Basketball training that I think is misused or misrepresented is, is squatting for athletes. I think a lot of basketball players have a tough time getting down into a, a full range of motion and a back squat. How do you kind of fix that squatting pattern for taller athletes? And then how do you make it more applicable for, for all basketball athletes because we have a wide range of heights and weights on a, on a given team?
1: Yeah. And I would say this is something that I kind of learned from Coach Ali. Um, what's, what's the goal? You know, what's the adaptation that you're chasing? Um, you know, all guys can't back squat. All guys can't front squat. Right. So let's find a different variation um, that yields that same adaptation that you're chasing. So um, honestly, goblet squat for our guys have been perfect. You know, we got, yeah. a, we got a lot of footers, a lot of seven footers, six, eight guys. We may have one to two guys that are like my height, six, one. And um, so I've placed the bell in the goblet position form. them. Um, we've done like a unilateral you know, squat. So like a rear foot elevated or front foot elevated. Um, we did it into like lateral lunges, stuff like that. Um, we use leg press machine a lot, single leg and double leg. Um, and you can even trap bar. I think trap bar will probably be the most used. Um, you can set them up. In a hinge position, or you can set them up in a squat position on a trap bar, and I think you would get the same adaptation um, that you're chasing from changing up the variation instead of just trying to force them. Um, something I heard on a podcast where you force like a, a round peg into a square yeah. hole. You know what I mean? Like you don't always have to just force them into a back squat or a front squat. I think that's a that's an old that's an old school approach where you have to do this now nah, you can change it up a little bit and still get the same adaptations and the guy and the guys love that
0: yeah i feel as if you know if you were to take a seven footer and put them through an entire back squatting session they're just going to go out of there like a, like a fucking idiot yeah
1: because
0: if you give them a, a goblet squat or something they at least leave feeling okay i i did something today yeah your goal is just stronger legs, stronger joints, then you've accomplished that goal with a relatively simple task.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I've seen see- some I've seen some footers though who have some good squat patterns. Without um, a doubt.
0: I think uh if you're a Alan Bishop guy from Houston, he's he makes every person squat has to grass and they have a bunch of different
1: and they look good doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and that's that's on him for for doing such a good job, what's the lifting age of most of your guys look like? Are most of them from good college programs where they come in and they know exactly what's up? Or do you have some people that come in that have not seen the inside of a weight room?
1: Yeah. So for the most part, most guys have come from a good program. You know, we have just throwing out a number 15, you know, about 90% are going to be solid, you know, and those 10, they I think they, they've they lifted before and, like, really well. I think they're missing a lot of the foundational stuff. So, like, balance. You throw those guys on one leg and tell them to hold it for 20 seconds, like, it's going to look horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But if you ask them to bench press 80-pound 80 80 pound dumbbells in both hands, they're able to do that. You know, so I think, like, just those 10 percent, Um, the small thing that they are missing is is really just the foundational part, balance, core strength, strength, endurance, stuff like that. And so that's something that we, we, we do a lot of is, you know, finding where they're weak at, you know, starting from the ground, ground up, Um, just work a lot of balance stuff, single leg stuff, um, and maybe add some type of complex movement to it. So like my favorite since being here may be like a single leg balance, with a curl to press and you see guys trying to do that, man. And and it's like, damn, like what have you been doing your whole life? (laughs) You know, but no, it's been cool. So I I would say like about 90% of the guys are from good, well-rounded programs. And right now it's just, it's just a maintain for me, make sure guys don't get hurt. Um, Make them leave the weight room feeling good. So it's been, it's been good. Yeah. And
0: if you're, if you have a squad or you're training athletes that don't have, great squats the you know like you said the option may not be more squats it may be looking at other factors of why can't they squat so right anthropometrics or just look at uh, their kinesthetics in general and try to figure out from there reverse engineer why can't they squat is a great way to look at it so growing up right. i think you know leave it. Sorry. Uh, no, you get it. For the sorry are you good for the most part you're probably still considered a young man in the strength and conditioning game. So who have you looked up to 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 get where you are now? Who have you taken inspiration? From? Leave it. Um, <laughs> who, have you, who have you taken inspiration from along the way? Uh, I know there's a lot of really good basketball strength coaches that are coming up, doing a lot of innovative things. Who are some guys that you've looked at?
1: Honestly, I would say um, off, off the top of my head, my mentor, Nick Michael. He was at UAB. When I reached out to them and I was a GA there, um, blue-collar guy, he's, like, everything that I thought a strength coach would be, six eight, like, 250. He got guns, yeah. big shoulders and stuff like that. So, like, just from meeting him and being with him since day one, like, I've always looked up to him, you know. Um, he never told me what I wanted to hear. He always told me the truth. Um, he's always kept it 100 with me and being honest. Um, he let me know when I'm messing up type thing. And, um, I just always respected him and looked up to him, um, for as long as I've been in the field. Um, after that, I would say like all my mentors, um, coach Ali, the biggest one I've learned so much from him over just the past year. Like he wouldn't even understand it. Um, he's, such he's a pushed softy. me. Huh? That's a softy. I am. But I mean I give credit where it's due though. Nah, he is. <laughs>
0: Ali is the softie.
1: Oh, Ali is. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but um, he's a guru, you know, and I I've learned a lot from him. Um, and he's he's part of the reason why I'm where I am today. And besides that, really all the other mentors I've met on the road, Connecting um coaches at UCF, um, Wake down the street, UNCG, like all those strength coaches uh, I've I've met, um, been open arms and teaching me a lot. And then the guys that are here, the guys and ladies that are here, uh, I've learned a lot from them. Obviously, they're professionals. They've been doing it longer than I I have. And um, they've just been pouring into me since day one. So um, I would say those two guys, all the guys I've met on the road, playing against other teams, and my colleagues that I'm working with now. Absolutely. So
0: I think a an interesting thing that we've talked about in the past is different connections you've made or different conferences that you've been to and whatnot. And you've talked to a lot of really successful guys in the in the industry. What have you learned in the past couple of years that have been that has been game changing in, in how you program or how you talk to your athletes and and how has it changed the way that you look at what you do as a profession?
1: Yeah. Number one, I'll say relationships. I think every every person I've asked, you know, a question about what's something you know now that you wish you knew years ago, and almost all of them told me relationships, networking. You know, don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to ask questions because um, those would be the people who you could probably call on at any any time if you if you ever get stuck and needed some type of um, right. advice or anything. So relationships um two is don't be afraid to and I'm treading lightly but um don't be afraid to mess up I think this field is really trial and error you know number one is keep the athletes safe um two if you believe in something you know try it um I've learned to try it on yourself first that way you you know you stick with it be consistent with it you can you can kind of gauge how it would be for the athletes and you modify for them, you know, moving forward. So two, um, don't be afraid to try what you believe in and, and believe in what you believe in. You know, you have to, you have to have 100% confidence in what you do. So I would say those two are the main two things. Um, thirdly really the tendon load stuff. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hit it heavy, you know, um reading articles and stuff that i found on it and um just trying it out and see and see what happens see if i can keep some guys on the court and um have a successful season
0: yeah there's there's more ways to to lift weight than just up and down i think there mm-hmm. it's, it's a very deep hole that you can dive into i remember talking to this to this one coach a couple weeks ago and said You know, if you take 80% of your one rep max and you ISO it at the bottom of back squat and hold it for five seconds with your breath held, it's the equivalent of running a mile or something like that on your heart strain. And it's just, you can, yeah, you can go deep into it. And I think there's more that'll come out recent, uh, soon where people will see how important and valuable some of that stuff is.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So you've kind of made it to, I guess what basketball people would say is the pinnacle, unless you're the head coach of Kansas or Kentucky or one of the blue bloods (laughs) made it, you've made it to the level where I think everyone wants to aspire to be. Um, Mm -hmm. So how have you measured your success as a coach along the way? And uh, what are some of the factors that you look at on a daily basis where you're still adding up W's as you go throughout your career?
1: Yeah. um, I would say the biggest thing um, do guys retain info. Yeah, you know that that kind of shows if they're paying attention, if they trust you. So if I if I write an exercise up on the board, um, and let's say we do it two weeks straight, you know, and on the third week they come in, they know exactly what it is. I think that's that's to show that's proof that you're you're succeeding a little yeah. bit. You know, guys guys are oh yeah I remember that I, that kind of felt good. I know exactly what it is, and they go straight to it without even asking questions. Um, I think that's a, that's something you can measure su- success on. Um, do guys ask questions? You know, that means that they're invested in the training. They're invested in you. They want to, they want to know why we're doing what we're doing. So I, I would say if if guys are asking questions, have a guy to ask a question every day. And it's just, it's just one guy, you know, and, but it shows how much he's invested in his career, you know, and along with, You know, he's getting better at the movements. You know, day one, balance, horrible. You know, we we did some balance stuff today. And he's able to hold it much longer than he did on day one. So I would measure success on that as well. Um, That's really the biggest things. I wrote some stuff down um, like a while ago about success. Um, Guys improving at something um the way I would measure my success what what did I do today how I coach and how could I have coached better yeah you know just just constantly thinking yeah yeah just thinking about my day um what could have been better what could I have done better um as far as like setup transitions um a certain exercise that I didn't really like or something like that I just ask my myself questions at the end of the day like how did it go so Um, I could be better the next time we're on the floor.
0: I think you're a person that will make the most out of any place that you're at. So whether you went to the Utah jazz, or you just had another stop at a, at a mid major or anything like that, I think you would have, you know, done the best to make the most out of it. So Mm -hmm. how would you give advice to someone who may not be where they want to be, but still wants to get to a certain spot um, and invest in some time? You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: um, and I, I will piggyback off of success. You know, it's something that I posted today. Um, success is measured by, or success is doing the best you can with what you have, where you are right now at the moment. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you had a D3, private sector, um, D1, power five, you know, um, doing the best you can where you are with what you have right there in that moment, you know, being grounded, being present, something that I used to say to the basketball team there at ANT all the time is just being locked in, you know, you can't don't worry about the outside stuff, distractions, you know, focus on what you have right in front of you. Um control the controllable and I think everything else will handle itself, you know. Invest in yourself so that you can increase your worth. Yeah. Um and something Ali always told me was continue to Apply pressure, you know, make people make it hard for people to tell, you No, you know, make it hard for people to not interview, you You know, make right. it hard for people to not select you. Like you have to continuously apply pressure. And lastly, I would just say staying prepared, always prepare. You never know when that time will come. Um, but as long as you prepare, you know, your stuff, you're confident in it. I think um, success would be like knocking on the door.
0: Yeah. So, no one's ever caught Denzel Stovall sleeping. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't say that even I, I I make mistakes and I get caught slipping, but yeah, more, more or less than, than I do.
0: Yeah. I can't remember who said it, but I remember hearing some, some old head coach talking and someone had asked him, how do I train more professional athletes? Or I just want to work with more pro athletes. And his answer was just, we'll train everybody like a professional athlete and yeah. they'll come. And I, I think that's a really valuable point that, that you're making as well as just like why not train everybody to your utmost ability no matter where you're at. So that's a, yeah. I think that's a really important message to end on. So if you wanted to plug anything that you do or, or where can people find you, I think that'll be a good way to, to send them off.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say Instagram. Yeah. Stoke Performance, uh, S T O underscore P E R F X. Here's my Instagram page. Um, feel free to reach out, DM me, or anything like that. And um, I'll feel free to reply with any answer I have. Very busy schedule. Uh, we tried getting this thing going last week, two weeks okay. ago. Yeah. Um, but it's the life of, I guess, being in the pros. Like, that's one thing they told me is. You're going to work almost every day. It may not be a 12-hour shift. It may not be a two-hour shift. It's going to be somewhere in between, but most likely we're probably working every day. So um, I'll try my best to get back as soon as possible.
0: Absolutely. yeah. I highly recommend reaching out to the stove. We got a, a bank of knowledge here. Uh, talking, yeah, man. Uh, appreciate coming on, man. I, I hope, the, hope the Utah Jazz do well. I hope Salt Lake City does well for you, too.
1: Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.